inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro, by Poly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all, by Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott. Featuring fine family milled lumber for all your projects. Check out PNR Lumber on Facebook. And of course, today is Customer Appreciation Day at PNR Lumber. By Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, Guy's can feed it. They're online at guysfarmandyard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. And they sponsor the WDEV In the Garden podcast. Right now, our lines are open for your gardening questions and comments at 802-244-1777. We'd love to hear from you. Here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Yes, simple inch by inch, row by row. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way we grow. That's and that's what happening, boy. A lot of things are growing. Oh boy, too many of them are weeds in my backyard, but <laughs> still, plenty of things are growing. Well, uh, you know, I'm still nurturing my uh, lambs' quarters, mm-hmm. the weed lambs' quarters, and harvesting it on a regular basis and enjoying it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're great. You know, I once I learned that, that uh, they were edible and uh, actually really quite good, mm-hmm. I fully expected Mother Nature to stop growing them in my backyard. <laughs> well, I, that's know? so true. You know, as, Murphy's as, Law. As soon as I started picking it, the uh, the leaf miners got in and started yeah. <laughs> eating away at it. It's like, oh, yeah, these are good. Uh, no, no, that's all part of it anyway. Um, so uh, where are we in the garden today is uh, it's almost time to start thinking a little bit about the harvest. And, and uh, I'm going to go over a little bit of that uh, today. Um, I have some questions for you and for our listening audience. Um, you remember I, sh- I told you I, I had that tower that was a, a container garden? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 30 little cells. Well, one of the things I grew in there was a kohlrabi. Oh, my gosh. And um, it, it is very happy. It's the best kohlrabi I've ever ever grown. It's already the size of a softball. Oh, boy. And it's the purple variety, which is... So um, I'm a little bit uh, like, um, okay, now that I have it, what do I do with it? So if any of you out there or if you, Joel, have a, a favorite recipe for kohlrabi, 
I, I would love to hear it. My grandmother would slice them thin and saute them, you know. Oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. mean like a like a matchstick or just yeah. just yeah. slices? Just sliced them, yeah. Just slice them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. But well, she did all kinds of things. They were they were in stews and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Well, and, I know uh, when I um, when I fix my broccoli, right? I go ahead and I uh, peel the stems, you know. The hard with that uh, the hard sort of waxy skin that's on top of them, right. and the and the inside those skins is just absolutely as good as as the tops, you know. So I sort of suspected that that would be like that that I could, you know, cube them and and uh, steam them and eat them like regular old broccoli. But um, the first time I ever tried kohlrabi was at a Oh, one of the conventions I went to down in Massachusetts, uh, and uh, one of the farmers there was doing his CSA there, and he had kohlrabi, and he was cutting it up raw and saying, here, try this, you know. It's a lot better than you think if you've never tried it, and it was. It was uh, sort of sweet, uh, you know, the way cabbage can be yeah, sweet. Yeah, you kind of need good teeth for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I bought my uh, little baby grinder, you know. <laughs> let's, let, let's see. You want to go online? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Your your first name and town, you're first on In the Garden. Hello. Oh, no, well, I guess they were calling about something else. Oh, okay. That's all right. Maybe it was Lee. <laughs> well, no, I've, my, he, no. Would have, he would have spoken up. As <laughs> <laughs> long as it was, oh, let's try it again. Let's see if this, if this works. Hello, first name. Hi. Hi. I, I'm back. Great. Hi, back. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Brenda from Huntington. I just came in from the walk in the woods. Oh, Brenda. Thanks. And uh, I have a question about my raspberries. Okay. I have the cane borers uh, licked. I have oh. the Japanese beetles licked. And okay. some of them are over six feet tall. Yeah. And the top leaves, you know, are getting skeletonized. I think that's the term you use. Skeletonized. And where the something uh-huh. comes and eats between the veins of uh-huh. the leaves. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, a leaf miner. Generally. A leaf miner. Yeah. Well, what do they look like? Is there a way that I can uh, see Almost them? impossible to see. They're mites, you know. They're really, really small. Think of it this way. The thickness of the leaf, that's how big they are. Okay. Because they, 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 you know, go in right, and they start eating everything that uh, around all the little veins. So what it looks like, you know, yeah, is the skeleton exactly. of the leaf. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, neem oil, uh, they're pretty well, easy. What all... What yep. I do, I just use my hands. Mm-hmm. I don't have a huge patch. Yeah. And I'll just go and sort of gently crush all the leaves a little bit, just give yeah. them a squeeze. Yeah. It worked on my roses. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. That, that, right. that actually was exactly the same thing I was talking about with the um, uh, the magenta spring, the lamb's quarters that I was uh-huh. just talking about, the weed uh-huh. there, if you, if you happen to look around. Um uh, six foot is very tall for um, a raspberry. It is. It, it, it's odd. Okay, so you you know that, right? Yes. Okay. I, well, I did. I, I gave it a couple of gallons of Miracle Grow, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that did it. I mean, that the, the patch is only about you know twelve feet long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that would be a good start, anyway. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you, you very you may much. Have over- very how's, how about the berries? Are you getting Looking berries? Oh, yes, the oh. berries are coming, and the 
And the uh, the bumblebees are a little early, but they're checking out every one of them, waiting to, until they're ready to get mm-hmm. the food by. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it's quite exciting. Oh, that's great. Well, good for you. Um, yeah. yeah, those are, you know, if you're so inclined, if you're not really, if they're not really, uh, uh, you know, responding to the squeeze method, yeah. um, you can't, you can spray them and it's pretty, yeah, okay. pretty easy to do right. and they're, they're pretty controllable that way. Um, at this point, well, you know, if you're already getting berries. They don't seem to be inhibiting berries. the berries, though. You know, they don't, it doesn't right. seem to be inhibiting the berries. I was going to say, at this point, it yeah. sounds like it's a, it's a moot point. The right. only thing is, is that, um, what you would be doing this, the only reason we would treat them is for the future bushes because right. once uh, a bug like that kind of gets into your patch, it will cycle, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. generally, the, you know, the cycle runs. You see, right. they drop down or they make a little, uh, uh-huh. ca- little, um, uh, yeah. cocoon in the, in Yeah, well, I usually take back. the canes out. I learned that the hard way. Take yeah. them out and the old take canes. them far away. Yes. Yes, right. Yes, and hopefully burn them if you can. Yes. That's right. Yes, right. Yeah. And, or, or, you know, cut them up and put them in a bag and send them to the, uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but burning them works very well. That's yeah. an effective way. And then you have yeah. the ash that you can put back in your garden, yeah. and that's well, fine. Yeah, that's an idea. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, you should be cutting them down uh, at some point during the during the fall or yeah, early, early, early yeah. spring, okay. cutting them back down to oh, about yeah, four foot. definitely when I do it, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, All good. Right. Okay. Well, well Brenda, thanks, thanks for the much, call. Uh, yep. Yeah, thank you. Okay, <laughs> right. bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, I think we have Peggy in uh, Barry. Hey, uh, Peggy. Welcome. Hi. What's Hi, going on in Barry? I'm sorry? What's going on? Well, at least the sun's out today. It's hey, not raining. I know it. <laughs> yes. um, I have uh, started um, harvesting my green beans and my yellow beans. Yep. And I had planted some around... Um, Oh, the end of May, and then a, a couple weeks later, and such. And my first uh, row didn't do well at all. But mm-hmm. um, do you know why the the beans might only grow to about three inches long and have one little like bulb seed on the bottom of them, and then the the rest of it um, is just a, t- a tiny bean? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm trying to describe? Well, yeah, I. I understand, but there's a couple of different things you might be seeing there. Um, one is um, uh, the let's see here. Where do we start? Um, the the tons of rain that we have has really affected a lot of crops, and it may be that at the point that they were flowering and needed to be uh, pollinated, it was raining so much that the, that your little bees and stuff stayed away. That's a possibility. The second oh. is the small ones may be just not, you know, ready yet. Just give them a little time, you know, uh, uh, basically less than a week anyway, and they may, may grow up. What makes you think they're not going to continue to grow? Well, because the bottom part of it is, what I would call uh, wide enough to be a normal bean. Oh, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> um, yes. You yeah, know how, I, how then I'll go back to they get, just didn't get so. pollinated properly. That that would oh, be okay. my guess. And okay. uh, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. Um, 
and a little patience, they may flower again and you may get another harvest if it, if it actually dries out and we see the sun for a little while. You know, beans are like corn. They, they love the sun. They love a, a good warm summer weather and, uh, warm nighttime temperatures. Um, and even though we've, uh, you know, we've had some hot days, if you look at it, uh, there's been actually a lot of days that's been below 55 and, uh, even below, even in the 40s. And, you know, that, that does, uh, well, things like peppers and eggplants, that completely stops them from, from, uh, um, going from flower to fruit. So. I think that sounds like more what you, what you have than anything else. And it's almost, I guess it's almost too late to get another crop because you're at, what, 40 days or so. Well, it's a fifth, so you really have two months, which is only 60 when you, days. When you said they might flower again, are you talking yeah. about the same plants? Yeah, the so, same plants. So don't. So don't pull them up. Not yet. The Just give them a chance to recoup and see see what happens. And I would actually suggest a, a foliar spray of uh, the fish fertilizer and see if you can't encourage them a little bit. Okay. And that's the best you can do is just you know try to try to encourage them and see if they'll they'll give you a little bit more because if you pull them up and and I don't think you have quite enough time to get another crop in from seed, so. Nurture these guys well, have, and see if you can. Yeah. I have still got um, another row of each of the beans oh. that hasn't flowered yet yeah. because I planted them a few weeks apart. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and Super. I actually ended up planting three different um, batches of them. So. Oh, great. Well, you may be in luck that you, uh, you know, that you did it that way. Now, do you, what do you do with those beans? Are you just fresh eating or you freeze them or? Um, I fresh eat and then I um, I can them. I don't seem to like them as well being frozen. Yeah. they yeah. turn a little rubbery. Yeah, I heard that so a lot. I like them canned. Yeah, canned. You mean like dilly bean canned or just plain old canned? Just plain old canned. Oh yeah. Okay. Just, you know, snap them in pieces. Oh yeah. And, and yep. put them in ball jars. Yep. Yeah. Great food. Couldn't agree with mm-hmm. you more, Peggy. Yeah. Well, good luck. Let me know how that next batch comes. W- would you? Okay. Okay. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Joel, you got another, uh, who is Steve from Morrisville? Hey, Steve. Yeah. Hi. How's it going today? Oh, good. And you? Um, great. I got a question I hope you can answer. Um, I have a plum tree and oh. on the branches. Sure. Um, uh, these growth started to come almost looks like, like, uh, the branches surrounded by like a like a tootsie roll. Yeah, yeah, it's a kinker. Um, yep. Yeah, um, and so um, somebody told me to cut cut them out below that that area. So I did that. I went in March. I cut everything out of the tree, all that stuff, yeah. and it came back like stronger than ever. Came like, back like what? What was on the tree? It came back stronger than ever. Oh, okay, good, good. Like trip, not the not the tree, the things. Oh jeez, the growth. <laughs> you know, it's like I mean, the whole tree was oh, covered. Oh no, covered worse, worse than ever. So I don't know. Do I have, do I got to cut this thing down, or what's the? <clears throat> do you have any ideas on that? Well, unfortunately, like like a lot of uh, fruit trees, right? Um, I think this is probably called black knot. 
and it could be Black brown rot, yeah. rot, one or the other. It's a fungal disease, and uh-huh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't actually cut down the tree. I think it's probably premature to do that. What you want to do is you want to, uh, with fruits, what you do from the point of dormancy till today makes the largest difference. You know, all uh, what you're saying is something that that has almost no remedy at this point for now. But if you start out doing a spray system early on from from there on, then you can usually nip it in the bud, so to speak. And um, uh, so the uh, – so you, do you spray your um, – your uh, plums um, at all? No, I've, I haven't sprayed it. No. Yeah. Generally, no. other than this, this black rot and a uh, black knot and or brown rot, those are um, there's not much you can do about them now. But you want to start a routine in the early spring, and you want to spray kind of them. Spray? Uh, you start with a dormant oil spray, and dormant it's also spray. called a uh, 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 horticultural oil. It's basically like mineral oil, and you spray all the branches, everything. This is just just before the buds start to open up. You can spray them when they've, they're swollen a little bit, but uh, once they actually start to green up, then you don't spray them. And that's that's where you start. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. that's you know that's at the they call it a dormant oral spray because it's while the tree is still somewhat dormant. And then, you know, you go ahead and spray uh, for, you know, an insecticide and a fungicide. Um, once the, uh, the buds are blooming. And then once you get to a fruit, you know, you, you do the same thing. You spray an insecticide and a fungicide. And those, you know, you can find really easy at any one of our sponsors here. Yeah, and, like Agway, yeah. Yep, yep. And um, I, uh, although the all-in-one sprays seem like an easy bet, um, sometimes they don't work as well as individual sprays. And okay. um, so that's the best way to treat it is is prevention in the early days. And I've said it many times on this show is that with fruits, what you do from dormant until middle of the summer uh, is the most important time uh, to prevent things that are happening now, you know. Okay. Uh, because uh, the treatment is, is kind of tough, and, and I suspect that, you know, um, that black rod or brown water, I'm not sure which one it is, but it's one of those, um, uh, is is pretty well established on the, on the tree. You could try. Oh, yeah. You could try to spray it with a uh, fungicide, and and go ahead and see if um, see if that'll control it for now. And it, it wouldn't hurt anything, and it probably would do. Um, you know, it'd be a, a good start for your spray routine. Is do you yeah, have a sprayer? You uh, like now. you just need yeah. a one gallon sprayer. Yeah, I have one. Okay. Because like you know, this just started like three years ago. And we're just a few of them, like five of them. Yeah. And yep. then I nicked them and then boom. And then yeah. I nicked them again and then yeah. here we are. At, yeah. Yeah. Boom. 
Yeah. So, um, at one time it was given beautiful fruit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plums, generally speaking, are fairly easy to grow, but you will get something like this or the, the, um, uh, there's a beetle that affects uh, the, them too, uh, but, um, the, uh, Well, I wrote all that down and I thank you very much. Okay. All right. And, uh, so, uh, uh, Call me in the spring, and we'll go over what to do, what to spray, if you forget. Okay. Appreciate it. I listen all the time. Thanks a lot. All right. All day Saturday. I'm DVD. (laughs) Okay, Steve. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the call. Okay. Um, I think we ought to take a break, don't you? Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture. Plus, soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. And once again, here's Peter Burke. Hey, Joel, I just want to add something for Steve. Um, I don't know that I mentioned that uh, at the end of the season when everything drops off, make sure to go ahead and, again, cut out those black uh, burls or cankers or whatever you call them, the black knot. Cut them out uh, at the end of the season. Take those off-site or burn them one or the other. And uh, uh, I, I know that uh, he said he was doing that now during the summer, but at the end of the season you want to do that. Make sure there's nothing left on the tree of that. Okay, and um, uh, what fun, though. I mean, plums are so rewarding. They're such a wonderful fruit. You can dry them. You can eat them fresh. And uh, and actually they, they can really well. And... Uh, um, you can keep them fresh in a cold cellar for quite a while, certainly till till Christmas. And so, anyway, they're a great fruit, great fruit. Um, so, uh, all in the have you heard? You've probably read this in the news, right? All the the hubbub about watercress now is deemed the most uh, <laughs> nutritious <laughs> vegetable. <laughs> In the garden, have you heard that? No, no, but oh, uh, how have you missed this? I don't. Well, I've been, I've been, my head's been in the sand. <laughs> oh no, no, you've been reading the news. I thought it probably would have been on the. Uh, well, anyway, so in the news, it's okay. now. You remember how kale was like? Oh, that yes, was absolutely. the one. Well, now this is this is uh, has has uh, eclipsed uh, the kale. It's also a. Uh, a brassica, you know, it's in the same brassica family. Its most notable feature is that it has uh, the the total minimum daily requirement of vitamin K, which is helps to keep your bones strong. You would healthy. think kale would have K. I bet. <laughs> Watercress would have W, but then again. <laughs> That's in, that, that, that's in my bizarro world. <laughs> so, do we have a caller? Well, somebody with probably more cogent knowledge than I have at the on, the, on this and other topics. But we do. Your your first name in town? Uh, this is Forbes. Hey, Forbes. Forbes. Come on. I've heard the name. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? Good to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I got a good question. Yeah. 
winterizing cover crop. What is the uh, most ideal or best uh, for that? Okay, uh, let me see if I understand. Um, a cover crop, just sort of by nature, you shouldn't have to do anything but let it grow over the winter. So if you're using like a, a winter rye, it'll grow under under the um, under the snow or in any situation. You know, even if um, even if you lose all your snow cover and the ground freezes, the winter rye will come back. Now, regular summer rye, it will be killed out, and there's really nothing you could do to keep it. Um, you can you could uh, of course uh, use like a um, uh, a clover, you know, what are you using for your um, for your uh, cover crop? Well, I'm, I've always used winter rye because, uh, of course, it doesn't retain a root structure for next year's growing in the garden, so you protect it there. Yeah. Which grass? Which grass has always been a, a major problem? Yeah. How to how to uh, deal with that? Yeah. Yeah, you have a, a fair amount of, of territory that you're covering, so it's not like on a garden when you can you can head right. in there with a hoe and and take care of that. Right, I've seen witchgrass grow right through a potato. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, never mind. I've seen witchgrass grow right through asphalt. Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah. Ah. Well, it's sort of like a dandelion, too. I came across a dandelion that had a little piece of asphalt right on top of the flower. So. Wow. Awesome. So yep. basically the old uh, winter ride, then. Uh, that's usually the best now. I mean, I one of the reasons I like um, uh, the buckwheat and and the crimson clover is that they do die off. And if you if you leave them there, they they give your soil a little bit of a, a mulch, you know, for the winter. And that uh, the crimson clover is just an incredible, remarkable mulch. I mean, it really is very thick. Um, the only problem with it is is um, when it grows up, it has tons of seeds, so you'll have to you'll have to, you know, make sure you <laughs> you weed the weed. Right. Are they all compatible? Yeah, yeah, you can actually uh, grow them all together. And uh, what's the other one that uh, you can grow with peas? Um, you know, peas are a great one, and they'll actually last a lot longer into the winter season than the uh, than the buckwheat. So you can you know let them grow, and they'll keep growing right up until they're covered with snow. <clears throat> and and that's another terrific. Uh, Cover crop or green manure, if you if you want. But as far as as protecting any of those things, if if they're not really like the buckwheat or you know those things are, they're just not meant to grow once it once it starts to get really cold and freeze. So I'd stay away from Japanese millet. Have you ever dealt with any of that? I've never used it. I've read about it, but uh, um, I I haven't. I haven't used it. Uh, what's the advantage of that over a winter rye? Well, it uh, it, it grows very tall, and in fact, I got a I was paid a visit by the uh, state police, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> an aerial spotting of it, a fairly large area. 
and uh, it was assumed to be marijuana. So, anyway, <laughs> nice fellow. Anyway, you uh, you didn't kind of laugh when you got here, but it's great because if you dish it in, you've got tremendous amount of stock oh. fiber that goes into your ground. Uh, I'm gonna have to try that. Uh, yeah. Just, just see if I get a visit. You know, it's worth yeah, right. it for that. <laughs> well, they do aerial surveys. So they oh yeah, to, yeah, they got to do that. <laughs> yeah, so he showed up and said, "Well, <laughs> we kind of laughed when we got up to the spot." Yeah, yeah. Did you tell him he was welcome to smoke it if he wanted to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said he had to take some back, uh, uh, and he, he called me later and said it was some uh, herbiscuous. Uh, uh, he couldn't identify it. Yeah, right. All he had to do was ask you. He didn't have to. Yeah, right. <laughs> he would have been glad to tell you could have pulled out the, the magazine where you got it, you know. Yeah, there you go. All right. So uh, do you ever grow uh, um, the um, kohlrabi? Is that a vegetable that you grow ever? No. Yeah, no, okay. not really. So you're new to it too then. I mean, yeah. I, I've had it, and, and but I've never grown it to the point that, um, hmm. uh, or considered it a a regular vegetable. One of the things I like about it is it's a little bit like the celeriac, you know, where you can't. It's hard to keep celery. Um, it dries okay, but it's hard to keep it in a cold cellar for any length of time. So oh. I grow the celeriac, and that it keeps really well in the winter in the cold storage. And so I was wondering where, you know, broccoli is hard to keep in the cold cellar, too. Cabbage is so-so. Um, I was wondering if, if this might keep better in a cold cold cellar or even a, one of my uh, storage fridges. Yeah. yeah. So. I had an old-timer one time. Uh, he went out. To, he was making a big a stew, and he needed carrots and things. Mm-hmm. He went out and opened up a cover, and he had a hole way down deep in the ground and mm-hmm. burl had a bag and with a rope on it and he pulled it up and took out the carrots and whatnot. Oh, he smoked. That's yeah. <laughs> a root cellar, huh? Yeah, yep. That is a root cellar. It's right down there with the roots. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Well, thank you. Makes good sense. Good to hear from right you, up. Forbes. You take care now. Yep. Enjoy the summer day. Yeah, I always, uh, you know, just a home garden, I always liked to... Uh, the buckwheat, I like the flowers when they came up. You know? yeah. Just don't let them go to seed. Yeah, right, right. Or, or you'll have it growing and growing and yeah. growing. Yeah. But they, uh, that, that seemed to be a good uh, – that one year I did that, that was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I sort of prefer that, and it's specifically because it does die off mm-hmm. as, as soon as the frost comes. But it also creates a, a mulch for the winter, yep. you know. But the, the best one was the uh, crimson clover. My wife uh, planted that on all the empty beds, and uh, as you know, as we harvested stuff and emptied it out, rather than doing another crop, we would go ahead and put in that crimson clover, and it would grow, oh, you know, two, two and a half, three feet, and then had these absolutely exciting red stalks of flowers. You know, it's not quite like the. The white clover, which is sort of a, a clump and has the white flowers on it, this this is has a beautiful stalk of red flowers mm. and it's very nice. And then once it it kills off and dies down, it just lays down and makes a, a wonderful mulch. So anyway, that's uh, one more of the 
cover crops, yeah. green manure, as they call it. Yep, good stuff. So we were talking about, um, <coughs> excuse me, watercress. So this is the the new uh, darling of of the health food um, news, and um, you know these. Uh, it also has you know. 22% of your vitamin A and 24% of your vitamin C. So, um, you know, it's, it has, a uh, what do they call it? a nutrient rich vegetable. And of course, I always go back to my mother who says greens are good for you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, got to make sure you get greens. <laughs> So uh, my wife was diagnosed with a uh, glaucoma, which is a, not the kind that makes you go blind, but is still something you need to treat. And one of the things they say from the doctor is to eat, uh, you know, plenty of fresh greens. So, um, uh, you know, I have lots of kale in the freezer and you know, that, that's one of the ones we use. But, uh, I'm gonna, you know, in my tower there, I have a couple open cells, and if I can, I think I have seeds in my seed box, so I'm gonna check, uh, this afternoon and, and go ahead and plant some, because, uh, that tower would be absolutely perfect for it, because it's, it, you know, it, basically you can grow it like any veg, any lettuce, you know, yeah. you just have to keep it really well watered, mm-hmm. that's all. And so with the, um, well, so <laughs> I have to laugh, you know. I, I keep saying, you know, the self-watering container is not self-watering. It doesn't go get the hose and fill right. itself up. Now that would be good. <laughs> you still need to. You still need to grab the hose and make sure that it the reservoir is full. And that happened to me. And it was last week. I was mentioning that to somebody. Uh, you have to, you know, you do have to. And so I went up to the garden after afterwards, and, and there was my little squash plant it was looking pretty, pretty <laughs> wilted, you know. And I thought, oh my God, I I need to water that one. I missed it. It was on the end of it, and I'd missed it. So you know, with today's technology, just a little computer and hooked up to yeah, you know, to uh, all oh. kinds of watering hoses. Oh and yeah, right. And everything. You can, <clears throat> yeah, I, and I, then I have sensors. You know, yep. that nope. I, I wouldn't be surprised. If there are people that have completely self-watering gardens at this point, yeah, you know? yeah, no, I, I, I even have the timer and the switches. I, they all came out mm-hmm. after my fire, but um, you know, uh, those co- self-watering containers are perfect for mm-hmm. an irrigation system that's on a timer, because then you can just, you know, once every four days run it for, you know, maybe ten minutes or so, take a, to fill up the four gallons. Um, I timed it once from the hose, how long it takes. But, yeah, and that that actually is the way um, I think I mentioned the, the guy who, who bought uh, containers. He wanted to go organic with his tomatoes. Did I mention that before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he had all those, uh, you know, containers, and he grew his cherry tomatoes, and those set up a self-watering, uh, you know, irrigation system, and he was, you know, Three acres of tomatoes and containers. 
Well, I, I drove up and down from southern Vermont. Well, I drove all the way from Saratoga. Yeah, yeah. Up and down yep. the last couple of days. Yeah. I've noticed that the corn in Vermont is way, way short. Mm, all, mm. I mean, I drove all the way through Addison County down Route 22A, and I'm used to, uh, you know, oh, the corn being wall. as high as an yeah. elephant's eye. Was, yeah. Kind of as high as a groundhog's eye in some places. It's terrible. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, Fairmont Farms there, right in East Montpelier, across mm-hmm. from the school, and there are sections there that are still yellowish. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I assume that it was just the the rain at the wrong time, because uh, I think it was the May, the May freeze, the early could May well freeze, be, but and then a lot of people doing a second planting. Mm. Right afterwards, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm not entirely sure what those farmers did, but uh, you know they were only a foot and a half, two feet high. high yeah, you know, in no places. I've observed the same thing. If anybody knows why that happens, just give us a call because I'd really be interested. I've been puzzling over it and sort of tempted to stop at the farm and say, "Hey, what the heck's going on with your corn?" <laughs> and I'm sure he'd have something nice to say. To yeah, you. <laughs> he'd probably tell me to get lost, but <laughs> or he'd say, "Thanks for rubbing yeah. it in." <laughs> yeah, well, as our uh, Secretary of uh, Agriculture, etc., yeah, et cetera, yeah, Anson said that. Uh, not only is uh, you know the uh, the wonderful corn on the cob that we get uh, yeah. fresh, but also the uh, feed yeah. is is badly affected, worse than mm. had originally been anticipated. Well, it's interesting. Fairmont Farms planted something that I I think was alfalfa in one of their cornfields, and they just recently cut it. And they do that. They they seem to put um, you know different. Uh, grasses uh, for greens for fodder during the summer, so they can feed, uh, you know, feed the f- the fresh greens to their their cows. And um, you know, a thing like an alfalfa is actually a legume, and it will put some nitrogen back in the soil. So even though you're you're not growing corn, you're you're feeding your cows and feeding your soil at the same time. I did I did see a lot of hay, fresh hay that was taken in those big. Big marshmallows. The big marshmallows. Know? Yeah, they were all over the place. So, well, they were, farmers were able to get the get the first cut of hay in. Yeah, yeah. So. Did you see any graham crackers and chocolate? Uh, no. Well, that's no. what I told the kids. You know that these were marshmallows. You know, and then one of the one of one of my daughters said. When the, when there were those rolls of mm-hmm. hay, but yep. without the plastic covering, yeah. Said, well, look at that. That, that those aren't marshmallows. I said those are ones that went bad. You know? oh. <laughs> <laughs> Usually they confer and then conclude that Daddy doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope he just, they just know that you're a jokester and you can't help. You just can't help yourself when it comes. <laughs> so. Um, uh, let's see now. If anybody wants to tell me what's uh, what they're harvesting right now, we got green beans, right? And uh, of course, you know the blueberries are still. I think we're still harvesting them. Yeah, but uh, and then uh, we heard that uh, the raspberries are ripe and they're coming. Yeah, I've uh, you know it's funny. I've given up with because of my all the bird feeders that mm-hmm. I have. I yeah. give it up with uh, the berries in my backyard. Yeah. But uh, going into the uh, into the field, into, 
into uh, Airport Park and the other parks, mm-hmm. the wild raspberries, they're abundant. Even the yeah. birds are eating their fill, and there's still plenty yeah. for me to pick. Uh, even though they're a little smaller and everything, I just love them. You know, yeah. get panfuls and eat them. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the best way. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, my boss at work said he was uh, – uh, he, he says the same thing I do is cherry tomatoes never make it in the house. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he got the sweet 100s, and he said he, he's been getting a handful a day, so – well, you, 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 you eat them just the way they come, but I like cutting them in half yeah. and then marinating them with, uh, uh, you know, a little vinegar and oil yep. and, and then all kinds of whatever you like, basil or oregano, and oh, yeah. makes a salad unto itself. And then just cut them in half and put them on that uh, dehydrator, oh, yeah. on all the trays of the yep. dehydrator, and you have little pecans, especially with the yellow ones. It's like candy. It's no, not absolutely. even like a, Yeah, you know, yeah they're we, great. <clears throat> Do you have, we a, have call? a caller? No, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Let us push that button and say, ask for your first name in town. Oh, the creepy hey, farmer from Ripton. Ah, lovely Nola. Ripton. <laughs> Taking a, an ice break between harvesting garlic. And I will have a question for you now about a garlic harvest. I've never done like this before. So I've got my garlic planted in bed, beds. But I'm ankle deep in water as I'm pulling it. Are they going to be okay? And not are they going to be okay only, but I usually pull it and just let it dry out. Uh huh. But in light of the fact that they're just loaded with mud in uh-huh. root systems, yeah. should I be hosing them down? You know, um, contrary to uh, popular belief, I always hose them down. I always do. And matter of fact, I cut the stem right off, I hose down, and I clip the roots, and then I dry that. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen it and read about it, and frankly, I've never seen anybody who, who, who recommends it, but I highly recommend it because I have uh, no problem with the, the little black, you know, mold or any of that stuff. And, you know, when, when you, you leave the mud on, it means you've got to go and take it off, you know, brush it off or knock it off or whatever. You know, it's, it, this is just one of those things as a gardener, you know, you get to do in small batches. You know, I usually grow four beds, which is 64 times four, um, garlics. Um, and that, that keeps me in, in garlic for, Pretty much all the year, and then I use it for my pesto and my dilly beans, and my pickles, and and for my uh, hummus during the during the uh, winter. So, um, but I I have a couple of uh, homemade dryers that I've made just with uh, hardware cloth and strips of wood, and um, so I go ahead and do that, line them up there, and then let them dry out, and I find that that's the most successful. And the least amount of work. It's a little work ahead of time to go ahead and hose them down and, and, uh, you know, I have a scrubby brush and I wear some rubber gloves and I have a, uh, a, a, um, a bucket and hose and the, you know, good garden clippers and cut it, cut the top off at about an inch above the, the clove, um, and then just cut the roots off. And I find they dry faster and they stay better over the long season. So I would be 100% for knocking that mud off. Thank you. 
Thank you. I appreciate that <laughs> okay. very, very much. That was now, probably more information than you wanted, but <laughs> no, no, that's, to answer that's your fine. question. I don't want to lose it. I mean, I've got no. 12 beds out back and another mm-hmm. seven beds up next to the house. I have a lot of garlic. Yeah. And that's because we eat it. Yep. And one of the things we make with it mm-hmm. is hummus. Yeah. Oh, hummus. I, I, what I call my, my, my 24 clove hummus, which I absolutely love. I use two cans of chickpeas, of the big cans, the, the, what are they, the 15 ounce ones. Use two of those, 24 cloves of garlic and, uh, a cup of olive oil. And I actually put it right on the stove and let it heat up so that the, the. Where's your lemon? Huh? Put lemon. Yeah. Okay, good. I was worried there. Well, having said that, you mentioned the kohlrabi. Yeah. Do you remember back thousands of years ago, back in the 60s, I was just a little kid. Yeah. And my dad came home from work with this outer space looking plant. <laughs> it is like and that. It looks like Sputnik, yeah. I didn't know what yeah. to do with it. Uh-huh. But my grandma, who was always there for you, she said, Mary, Mary, you make that and you dip that in the hummus. Oh, really? You know? You slice those kohlrabis nice and thin, don't cook them, and just use it as your your conveyor for hummus. It's really good. You mean you mean you slice it like a chip and dip it in the hummus? Yep. Oh. Yep. Yeah, like you know. cu- like cucumbers and ranch dressing, you know. Same thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so, there's a little international union there between the kohlrabi <laughs> and the Middle Eastern crop. Hey, that's oh great, thanks. If you like it, yeah. So they have a little bit yeah. of a a pink uh, a pink skin around it and dip it in, and uh, good. Sounds crunchy and delicious. Thank you. Sure. All right. Well. I, I don't know. Are you folks real busy? I do have a frost poem that I haven't shared in over a year, but if you're busy, I'll get out of the way. Uh, Joel? No, no, I, no. I think we're good. We probably have time for a phone call after the poem, uh, yeah. if anybody wants to, but let's go and hear from, uh, uh, from Mont's favorite, favorite bard. Yeah, okay. Bob. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, he wrote this one, and maybe I've said this before, I apologize, but I swear it was like he knew. Everything about this poem was what happened with me and growing things, except it was my grandfather that gave me the garden space. So here we go. A neighbor of mine in the village likes to tell how one spring, when she was a girl on the farm, she did a childlike thing. She asked her father to give her a garden plot to plant and tend and reap herself. And he said, why not? In casting about a corner, he thought of an idle piece of, piece of walled-off ground where a shop once stood. And he said, Just it. That ought to make you a fine one-girl farm and give you a chance to put some strength on your slim jim arm. It wasn't enough of a garden, her father said to plow, so she had to work it all by hand. But she don't mind now. She wheeled the dung in a wheelbarrow along a stretch of road, and always ran away and left her not nice load and hid from anyone passing. And then she begged the seed. She says she thinks she planted one of all things but weed, a hill each of potatoes, radish, lettuce, peas, tomatoes, beets, beans, pumpkins, corn, and even fruit trees. <laughs> and yes, she is long mistrusted that a cider apple tree and bearing there today is hers, or at least might be. 
her crop was a miscellany, was all, when all was said and done, a little bit of everything, a great deal of none. <laughs> now when she sees in the village how village things go, just when she seem, it seems to come in right, she says, I know, it's as when I was a farmer, so never by way of advice. And she never sins by telling the tale to the same person twice. <laughs> I like that poem. Excellent, excellent. Thank you. That's well, great, thank Nola. You. Thank you. So we'll go haul some more garlic and yes. hummus some more garlic yes, and clip yeah. some more garlic and, yeah. and we'll uh, make some hummus. With get yourself some more a chair and a five gallon bucket <laughs> and the hose. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll do okay. It's not raining yet. I'm sure I've you will. It's gotten dark again. Yep. Um, all right. Well, you have a good rest of the weekend. We get a little sunshine for a change. That's nice. Hope you have it here. We don't have it here. Right oh, no. <laughs> we are well hiding. Well, I saw it. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Be well. Yeah, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, uh, after the first uh, big uh, rain, the destructive rain, they had a second rain there took out parts of Route yeah. 125 and yeah. 116. It was, uh, uh, I, they said they had a, a, some more damage last night. Yeah, unbelievable. Before, yeah. yeah, well, we got back from uh, Saratoga just ahead of it. It was all behind us. Mm-mm. And then when, when I got home later that evening, last evening, it uh, came again. So. Yeah. Well, let yeah. us take a break. We are we are uh, very grateful and indebted to the fine sponsors that, first of all, help us with our gardens and with so much else and yep. also uh, make this program possible. Crimson and clover. <laughs> oh, Joel. <laughs> yeah. How did you know? As soon oh, as yeah. I said crimson and clover, I, I was just thinking ab- of that song. <laughs> I just absolutely love that song. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> you know, um, I was listening, of course, to the ads, and, and of course, you're talking with Lee, you know, over at PNR Lumber. And I remembered when I first moved here in 1977, I built a small cabin for me and my family, and we had gone up to PNR Lumber and and bought their two by fours, which were really two inches by four inches. You know, mm-hmm. they were unmilled. And I built that uh, the whole cabin, and the next year built another two story cabin. And uh, uh, you know, it just sort of a, a memory. They were saying, "Oh, we've been at it for fifty, You know, and I thought, "Oh yeah, well, if you add it all up, I, I must have been in the first few years that they opened up." Yep. You know, well, they're great folks. I tell oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bend over backwards to make it work for you. You know. Yep. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> my son uh, went up. Uh, was it last last year? Actually, no. It was uh, it was the year, the first year of the. Um, uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. So it was two years ago, three year, two or three years ago. Anyway, he went up and and bought a whole bunch of two by six and two by eights for my uh, my garden, and you know they're great, they're just great in the garden. You put them together, and yeah, I think they have some pre cut for um, you know. For yeah, I've noticed that. <laughs> and things. Uh, they know. Yeah, well, they they're with us here yeah. uh, on this program and in other yep. areas of our broadcast but they know a lot of people are into gardening and mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. you know not every <laughs> i'm all thumbs when it comes to things so i appreciate the pre-cut <laughs> lumber, yeah yeah you know. well i used to do some classes at the house and one of the things i did was uh, just pre-cut two by sixes and and then the the trellises that i used to make 
But one thing, um, I was talking to somebody who asked me uh, during the week. Um, she said she was having problems with her cukes. And um, I reminded her that because of the large amount of rain, rainy days, cloudy days, is that you may not be getting uh, enough pollinators to her flowers, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, she she's um, could actually go with a Q-tip and and uh, pollinate them. You know, the male flowers are the small ones on the long stem, and the female flowers usually have a um, a little bulb at the bottom, and uh, um, you can just uh, you know, take your Q-tip mm-hmm. and, and the same thing you do with a zucchini. I remember right. explaining this to Lee a couple years ago, and you can go ahead and. Uh, 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 do that. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can use, uh, if you have a fan, you could put a fan on them and that would help to, to, um, now with tomatoes, they f- pollinate from up down. So the flowers up above flower, you know, drop their pollen on the flowers down below and pollinate them that way. So they don't need much more than the regular, you know. And, and I know some gardeners who, um, who say to uh, beat your tomatoes <laughs> and uh, more or less uh, every day if you go and you shake the trellis or or just sort of you know tap them oh, with a newspaper sense. That might make sense and then then the pollen drifts down from up above down and <laughs> pollinates the the flowers down below and uh, so you're okay with those things but with the um, with the cukes and the uh, zucchini you know they need uh, they need to transfer from the you know the male to the female now <clears throat> that's one of the reasons that i also like growing my cukes up on a trellis is that you get a little bit of that that pollination act, act, action you know from up above down below so it's one more good reason to grow up on a trellis. <laughs> well, I, I just like a cucumber that looks like a cucumber. Oh, yeah. on, on my clay soil, they just kind of like yeah. they, they kind of start and land right where they are, but then uh-huh. they will bend left and right yeah. because they can't they can't really push it a straight direction. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. 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 So the then, trellis made all the made the world of difference. Yeah. Doesn't it though? Yeah. Yep. And. Uh, I think we're uh well that was my last tip for the day. <laughs> I think we're I think we timed that out uh, beautifully. Although I did want to mention, you know, with the tomatoes, they're, they're unfortunately the Intervale people really lost bigness oh, here. Oh yeah. But over the years there's been this one fellow who uh, had one little area of his uh, substantial garden uh, dedicated to very early tomatoes mm. and but then he was also the one that at several two different points Dug them up and replanted them just oh, no somewhere kidding. else. Oh, yeah, and yeah. They, and that kind of shocked them to actually bring the fruit ripened early. Mm-hmm. And his his big deal was is that he had the first red tomatoes, vine ripened <laughs> red tomatoes, uh, you know, like a week or sometimes even 10, 12 days before anybody else did. Uh, but he had a lot of work, you know. Mm. But it wasn't it didn't make any difference where he transplanted them as long mm-hmm. as he dug it up and just moved it over a little bit. Gave him a uh, yeah. well. The them, the yeah. idea, the message, uh, oddly enough, that that the tomatoes are looking for is is harm. Yeah. You know, that's that's what encourages them to fruit. Exactly. Yeah. One of the reasons why you can put too much nutrient into a tomato and then it just grows green. Yep. It's you know. So anyway. 
Uh, well, that's. Uh, I think uh, what we. I think we're okay for next week, right? Do we? Have yes. A, yeah. Next yeah. week. Uh, it's not until the nineteenth the Red Sox are 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 giving us the boot. Got so it. we've got uh, next week and the week after. Okay. So, is, I guess well, I'll I, see you in the garden. Correct. That's where. <laughs> You want me to sing? <laughs> I'll leave the microphone open. No, no, don't. Spare the good people. <laughs> Gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling. In the Garden, brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900, right there in Greensboro. By Polly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester, featuring top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Online to find uh, sales and store locations, hours, sticksandstuff.com. By PNR Lumber, today is Customer Appreciation Day. Route 15 in Wolcott, featuring Family Mill Lumber for all your projects. Check out PNR Lumber on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard, with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. They've got a good website, guysfarmandyard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel on Route 107. Now, they are closed uh, today. In fact, they won't reopen until the 19th. But when they do, they're going to have all kinds of fall perennials and uh, lots of great things. Um, you can get all the information online at dandelionacres.com. They do sponsor our podcast and will throughout the season. You can uh, find, if you can listen to uh, uh, any of the In the Garden broadcast online anytime you want by going to wdevradio.com. Thanks to Dandelion Acres in Bethel. And indeed, we'll see you next week in the garden. <laughs>